Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. Welcome to the Shoot the Shiitake podcast with me, Father Leo Padalinghuga, Catholic priest on a mission to bring people of all different backgrounds together to learn, to love, and accept one another. Even if we disagree, we got to be willing to listen to each other as God does with us and as God wants us to do with each other. And this podcast isn't about the deep technical things of faith and spirituality, but rather about how to make these things realistic and practical in our life simply by listening to each other. And this week we have the special pleasure of listening to King Randall, founder of X for Boys. He's a young man, an entrepreneur who's doing so much to help basically disenfranchise young black boys get involved in their life and in their own formation by teaching them the basics of life skills. It's going to be fascinating. And if you want to support our podcast, just simply go to the website platinggrace.com click on the academy where you can become a member and support us by joining one of those tiered memberships and as a member you'll get access to unique content an online community and special perks but for now let's welcome our special guest king randall as i dive into a deep dish discussion and we shoot the shiitake And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake for my deep dish discussion. And I'm really pleased to have King Randall with me, uh, VX for Boys. Is that right? I mean, give me the exact title of the program, because I just want to call them X-Men, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yes, sir. It's called the X for Boys. Yes, sir. And why? Tell me about that. And then we're going to get a little bit into your background. But what exactly is the X? Um, Well, so our motto is let us make man. And for boys, they don't know how to be men until they come into the X for boys. And the, and the letter X means unknown. Um, so it's kind of like the unknown for boys. You're learning how to be a man. And our motto is let us make man. Okay. This sounds scriptural. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Tell me about that. I kind of like the scriptures. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> in, in my opinion, you know, everybody, uh, you know, I try not to do a little spin off of your own, you know, version of the scripture, but 
I firmly, you know, said that I believe that let us make man implies to me that I should be assisting God with making men. Um, so that's why I worked so hard in the community with young men and young boys, uh, teaching them, you know, how to be men and how to protect their women and children, how to go and make money, how to fend for themselves and how to be self-sufficient. I honestly thought that the X was because you studied Greek and you knew that that was the first letter for Christo and that letter X. But we'll get into that a little bit later. I appreciate, sure, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate everything you're doing. Now, tell me um, a little bit about you. I think I'm fascinated by the fact that you had some culinary background. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're a pretty notable chef and uh, obviously as a culinary student. Tell me about that. And then we're going to jump into why you got this started. Yes, sir. Um, well, I was a culinary student um, all through high school. Um, I actually had a culinary program while I was in high school. I was the captain of the culinary business management team, and I was on the culinary team um, the year before that. And I was a Georgia Restaurant Association Pro Star Student of the Year, um, the first one um, to ever win that award. And um, I went to Albany Technical College and I graduated there uh, with an associate's in culinary arts. So I did cooking for a while, and then I went to the Marine Corps. And I, I did that for four years. And now I am working with children full time. Tell me, what exactly does that mean, working with children? Is it the X for Boys program or is it because you're doing a whole bunch of other things? I love the fact that you're by you. You're called a community shifter. Yes, sir. I want to hear about that. And by the way, I said shift people. OK, just so you know. But go ahead. Tell yes, me. sir. <laughs> Well, yes, sir. I, um, I call myself a community shifter, not a community activist, because I want to make things move. Um, in our community. So I call myself a community shifter. Um, but the things that I do um, with the extra boys, I teach young men um, how to do the skilled trades, such as changing oil, changing brakes, basically automotive repair. I'm doing home construction, such as changing toilets, changing ceiling fans, painting, carpentry, you name it. Um, I try to make sure the boys learn how to do those things that granddad used to know how to do and things that you could go and do uh, for yourself. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing right now. I do boarding. I house boys at my home, me and my wife and my child. Um, I house six at a time. And so what we do uh, every day is we go and find something to get into. I teach them things. They have opportunities to make money. And also this is getting them out of their conditions as well at home, because I do believe uh, children go through, I call it holy hell at home. Um, they go through a lot. And so I try to make sure that they have a different environment where they're able to learn, able to do things differently and able to uh, have a different outlook on life. King, you sound like an absolute maniac. You, in a good way, in a good way, because who just brings these boys into their home? I mean, like your wife must be a saint. <laughs> yes, sir. She cooks for them. Um, you know, you know, she fusses at them for, you know, maybe not cleaning up their areas or cleaning up their bathroom, things like that. But she she loves it. Um, she enjoys, you know, being around them. Sometimes she fusses at me, you know, for giving them a little bit too much time and things like that. Um, but, you know, we make it work. Um, she enjoys it. She does. Um, and I enjoy it myself. I was the only child on my mom's side. And I've always wanted a big family and people, you know, get upset when I say that um, I want like nine children. And I'm just like, I want so many grandkids. I don't even want to know all their names. I just want so many. <laughs> so that's where I want to be. I want a very big family. I have a very small family. So for me, I just want to change that and just make it gigantic. Okay. You sound like a maniac who I want to cook for. That's what I yeah. want to do. <laughs> yes, and sir. we're going to, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to get to Albany, Georgia, and I'm going to cook for you, your wife and these boys. But I want to know about your background. Yes, what inspired sir. you to do all of this? Because you seem like such a genuine person. 
kind of disgustingly nice, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> like, how do you get like this? Because I know there'll be a lot of people listening and say, how do I make a man like this? Because, yeah, well, <laughs> because we need more of you. Yes, sir. Um, well, my boys wouldn't say I'm so nice. Uh, I have to get, you know, really rowdy with them sometimes, just depending on what they do and how upset they probably make me. Um, but for the most part, I guess uh, since um, I can get a little spiritual here, I can talk about why I do what I do. Um, you can get spiritual I, anytime you want. I don't, even if I was an atheist, you still yes, sir. have the freedom to just get spiritual. Right. Yes, sir. Um, so I've known my purpose my whole life, um, ever since I was about two years old. And a philosopher that I know always says that a child will, or, will they'll either show you or tell you what their purpose is for being here on earth by the time they turn seven years old. Um, so I was fortunate enough to have my grandmother um, who was with me this particular day. And usually when you are young, uh, maybe two, two, three years old, you don't remember anything unless it's really significant. Um, a really significant event has to happen such as you going to Disney World or something like that for you to even remember anything from that far. The only two things that I remember from being two years old was my aunt. She passed away. She was killed uh, in Detroit when I was about two. I was two years old. And the only thing I remember is driving there, seeing the snow and being at the funeral. That's all I remember because I had never been on a trip like that. And we drove 18 hours. So I'd never seen snow before. That's all I remember um, from that trip. And the second thing that I remember was one day my grandmother came to pick me up from daycare. And um, I started talking pretty early. Um, this baby king, he does the same thing. He talks now. Um, he's not even uh, two yet. He talks really well, knows all his ABCs, numbers, you name it. Um, and so I was talking early and I was two. And I remember this day vividly. Um, I remember the car we were riding in. I remember the color car seat. I had a gray car seat, had this little thing in the middle I used to play with. Um, and we were riding down the road. I remember the stop sign. We stopped at everything. And I, when she stopped at the stop sign, I asked her, I said, Grandma, do you know how it is to have butterflies in your stomach like something's about to happen? And she said, yeah, I know, I know how that is. And I told her that I was here to finish what Dr. King started. And so this particular day, um, my grandmother was like, and my grandmother, she's an apostle. Uh, she preaches. She's a minister. She's been a minister like her whole life. Um, so for her, this was like, what? Like, what do you know about Dr. King or anything? And from that conversation, I remember nothing else. And so growing up, my grandmother never let me forget what I said that day. I'm um, going through middle school, high school, you name it. Um, she always, you know, reminded me, hey, don't forget you're here to finish what Dr. King started. Don't forget what you're here to do. I didn't tell you this purpose. God told you this purpose and you told me, so I'm not going to let you forget. Um, so this whole time um, I going through middle school, you know, getting that rebellious stage, um, you know, stop telling me about that, grandma. I was, we probably watched the Dr. How King How rebellious were you? I mean, because um, to be honest with you, you seem so nice. You've been calling <laughs> me, sir, getting, feeling old here. But you mean, how rebellious were you? Um, every time she would tell me about this, you know, I, you know, throw it off. I'm just like, Grandma, we probably watched a Dr. King video or something that day. It's, you know, just leave me alone about it. Um, we even got into a very big argument, even when I was in high school, to the point where she was, because I stayed with my grandmother in high school because my mom got married and moved to Atlanta and I didn't want to leave uh, where I was living because I was, you know, with my wife at the time. And um, I was going, doing dual enrollment. I was taking college classes while I was in high school. How so old were we, you then? Uh, I was 16. You were and married so, at 16? Oh, no, 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 oh, no. no. I was saying I was with my wife. Yeah, I was with oh. my wife. Yeah, we've been together since 10th grade. Oh, okay. So she was your girlfriend at the time. Yeah, she was my girlfriend okay. at the time. Like, I didn't want like to those laws in Georgia sure have changed a little bit. Okay, yeah. so. Well, you have you, to get parents' you, permission to get married at 17. But Okay, so you got married at 17? I got married at 18. I got married as soon as I graduated. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
Wow. But yeah, so I, we had a very big argument one time when I was 16. Uh, she was about to put me out of the house because we literally got in a huge heated argument about this purpose. I'm just like, could you please leave me alone about this? Like, it was very bad. My mom called. She was crying. Please stop screaming. Mm. It was really bad. Um, and so uh, I went to the Marine Corps. Uh, my grandma sent me like a lot of uh, letters, you know, and stuff like that. And she wrote the same thing. Don't forget, I don't care what you're doing now. I don't care about you going to culinary school, none of that. You are here to finish what Dr. King started. Never let me forget. So I finally gave in when I turned about 18 or 19. I was living in Atlanta with my mom. I was still in the Marine Corps and I came home. And at this time, I was like, well, let me see what Dr. King was supposed to have not finished. Like, what was he about to start or something? So I decided to do lots of research. I dug deep, 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 deep into Dr. King. I found lots of FBI files, read all the books. That he wrote uh, just everything, watching old documentaries, because I'm just trying to put two and two together. Like, what was he supposed to be doing? I'm not getting it. Um, so I went to his memorial um, uh, in Atlanta, and in the memorial, uh, well, in the museum, they have a room where the carriage that carried his casket through the city is in. And so the carriage is in there and they have in that room, they have newspaper articles, headlines from all over the United States and the world um, for his, from his uh, funeral. And I was walking through and I was looking at each and every uh, newspaper article. And one stuck out to me from the Pittsburgh Courier. It's on my wife's birthday of 1968. And it said, will a new king emerge? That was the headline. And so if you look at all of my social media handles, all of them say a new emerging yeah, king. Yeah, new emerging king. Yeah. Yep. Those are all of my social media handles. And, and so uh, so it, it is you're just kind of deeper understanding of King, the reason why you start to believe now that what you said allegedly when you were two years old, yep. that that you are on a path. I mean, do you believe in reincarnation? Is that what you're talking about here? Or is this uh, just I a, wouldn't say reincarnation, I think because uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's more of, um, I know, again, I know why I'm here. And one of the biggest things that I found out, in my opinion, is a few mistakes that our civil rights leaders made is they didn't train any replacements. Um, and they never trained any like children growing up with them. They didn't train any like um, uh, any major groups of young men or children with them sure. at all. You're right. Um, so You're I was right. like, what if Dr. King had trained up so many children uh, trained up so many young men that you could have killed Dr. King, but you couldn't really kill Dr. King because he sure, taught I mean, so it's many. kind of like what Jesus did with the apostles. I mean, exactly. clearly he was giving them formation. And this is a word that I kind of want to focus on because a lot of people don't understand it. I don't even know if you understand it, but what I see you doing is you're providing formation. You're not teaching them life skills only because honestly, anybody could learn that from YouTube. Right. You're exactly. actually giving them something that is being a part of their humanity. It's forming them. And the reason I say that is because before I became a priest, I had to go through seminary, but seminary was only part of it. It was formation. And yes, I kind of want to jump into that because you're taking care of six kids now. I mean, six, I mean, these are not, they're, they're like young men. They're teenagers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. That's crazy. Why <laughs> did their parents allow you to take them? Did they go through Holy L to the point where they didn't have a place in their home and you're kind of just adopting them? Well, um, okay, I'll say this. So my program started, uh, summer program started last year. And during the summertime last year, I did the program out of my house, but they weren't staying, staying with me at the time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people found out about my program in Albany here from word of mouth. 
And at that point, um, I didn't need to really advertise the program anymore because people had heard about us. So fast forward into this year, I was doing uh, the book club and the bowling team, et cetera. And COVID happened, so I had to put everything on pause. When the summertime came around, uh, parents were contacting me saying, you got to do something. And I'm like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do? So at this time, I decided, I said, well, um, I talked to my wife about it. I said, well, if I'm going to do it this year, um, they're going to have to live with me because I don't know where they're going. Uh, you know, when they're coming back for, to my house from home, I don't know who they're coming into contact with. Plus, I have a one-year-old and I don't, you know, he's susceptible to die, you know, from COVID. So I just, you know, wanted to be careful with that. Um, but having them stay with me was probably the best thing that's ever happened um, to me and to the children um, because I'm able to get so Where do they in- stay? I mean, do you have like a big house? Uh, well, I have three bedrooms, two baths, uh, 2,100 square feet. No, not too big, not too small. Um, sure. they, they sleep uh, on bunk beds. Uh, somebody donated us a bunk bed, so they sleep on the bunk beds. Um, and that's a great point. How are you... How are you paying for all of this? I don't want to get into your finances because I That's frankly cool. don't care. But this stuff costs money. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So uh, at the beginning of the program, um, I was doing a lot of it out of my pocket. Um, I was trying my hardest, you know, to make everything as cheap as possible for the parents to send their children. Um, even though I was, you know, being cheap, <laughs> you know, with myself, my wife would fuss at me about my prices and things like that. But of course, I just wanted to work with the children and I really so, didn't so want... So let's break that down. You say yes, work with children. So the parents pay you a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and you literally give them uh, a vocational tech education. Right. Yes, sir. And um, that's what was happening. But of course, I had a lot of parents. We were in a very high poverty area. So a lot of them still weren't able to pay the full price. And I'm just like, whatever you have, you know, that's cool. Because I didn't want to send the kids home or anything like that. And my, my wife would fuss. But I always tell her, you know, if as long as you're giving, um, I don't really worry about uh, how my bills are going to be paid or things like that. As long as you keep giving, you know, God will give it back to you and you can't beat them giving. So I just give as much as I can because I know I'm going to get back. So I don't mind, you know, uh, doing things like that because I'm going to get it back eventually. So Fast forward uh, to this past summer, um, we were posting on Twitter. Uh, somebody told me, you need to start posting the things you were doing on Twitter. I'm like, okay, whatever. I never got on Twitter like that. I had an account, but I was just, you know, whatever. I was always on Facebook. And so I started posting on Twitter. And one day, I don't know who it was, somebody retweeted and like it started making rounds on Twitter like crazy. And so now I got like uh, 18,000 followers in like like a month or two um, because people are loving the work that we're doing. And so We've been invited to the White House. So many people, celebrities, et cetera, have reached out to us, um, you know, because they saw our work on Twitter. And so now um, it's to a point where we've been receiving, you know, so many people to sponsor the children that I'm able to take them for free now. Also, now I'm able to take the kids that really couldn't afford it, that really needed it. Um, I can take them and don't have to charge their parents anything. So the kids are here for free. Um, and everything is taken care of, you know, because people believe in the program. So I told my wife, you know, it finally paid off. You know, I was always doing it out of my pocket. You know, we're using our money to buy food. I call my mom and say, hey, can you cook for the boys today? Okay, I call my grandma. Can you help me feed the kids today? So tell me about the program, uh, because I'm I'm kind of interested. I'm sure you are one man. You're obviously going to be training these young men to hopefully give back because they are receiving from you. But people who are watching might think, gosh, I could do this at home too. You know, I mean, maybe yes, it's not going to grow like this because the one thing that I paid attention to, actually someone, someone actually sent me your link on Twitter because they said, you really need to get to know this guy and talk about him and uh, cook for their family. I'm like, 
how many invitations do I get to cook for people in their homes? I mean, like endless amounts. But this is one that I thought this might work because because you are a chef and I have a theology of food that I think a lot of people don't fully understand. But the one thing that came about was a picture of you dressing up these young men and teaching them how to tie a tie. And these 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 young men look like like gentlemen, but you're also teaching them a few other things. So. What's with the suits? What's the program look like? What do you do day one t- and when do they graduate? Yes, sir. Uh, so the suits are like, um, I'll say they're like rite of passage uh, in the program. A lot of them never wore a suit before and a lot of young men doesn't know how it feels to, to wear a suit. It gives you a different feeling, gives you a different walk, it gives you a different confidence. Um, and so for me, uh, giving them their first suits uh it's that's one of my favorite things to do in my last my group that i have now they just did their first suits i'm not sure if you saw the pictures um but they just did their first suits uh sunday and um we just did our commercial video for it for our school um but with the suits um that's that's my big one of my favorite things to do um because i have a story um about wearing a suit when i was in sixth grade tell me about Uh, it uh, all through elementary school every picture day i always wore a suit uh every picture day and uh, people know know knew me for that and so I got to middle school and this is a new group of kids, you know, people don't know me and things like that. I got to middle school and it was picture day. So of course I wore a suit and I got to school that day and people picked on me from the beginning to the end of the day. Um, and I never forget it. And so I got, you know, in the car, I cried. I was super upset. Um, and that's like the only yearbook I have from middle school. Actually, that's the only one I have with me in my, my shirt and tie. And I didn't even wear my jacket. Cause I was just like, maybe that'll take some alleviate some of it, but it was horrible. I, I got picked on the whole day. I never wanted to wear a suit again. I got to high school and I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear a suit. And I started bringing a briefcase to school. Um, I put all of my work in a briefcase every day. And so with me being myself, of course, people, you know, were like, what you got in a suit for? You know, people picked or whatever, but they got used to it after a while. So with that being said, uh, I started getting all the attention, you know, from all the girls. I started getting attention from all the, the teachers, et cetera, because I looked at different. I had, I never had a book bag. I always had a briefcase. I wore my long, you know, overcoats, you know, when it was cold, et cetera, shirt and tie. And I, I was being myself. And so I got voted best student, uh, most likely to be famous. I got, uh, uh, I was able to go speak at different schools um, because I was doing a lot. So what's you know, the lesson here? Tell me about the is, lesson. Yes, sir. So the lesson is for the students, uh, my boys, you got to be yourself. And I always tell them a lot. Um, they're always on um, the fact of what people think. Um, that's that one of their biggest things that they they battle with is what people think. Um, like the only reason they want nicer cars, like you know the fancy cars and the shoes and the shirts and all of that stuff, is because of what people think. And I'm just like, if you simply be yourself, you know, and do what you want to do or whatever, and be who you are, you know, you will still get you know attention. I'm like, because no matter how nice you may dress in in society's eyes, or no matter what you may wear, how much your shoes may cost somebody's still going to have something to say. So why not just go and do what it is that you want to do and be yourself? The lesson is be yourself. Um, and What's after- your training for you to do all of this? I mean, you obviously were raised well. Your grandmother probably whooped your backside a couple of times and yep, your no mom did too. Was your <laughs> yes, dad sir. part of the picture? Um, well, my, my, my uh, biological dad, um, I'm not, I don't have any, you know, ill feelings towards him. I mean, he's not like the biggest father, father figure, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but I've always been able to call him, you know, go see him every now and then, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't like, you know, in my life, but I didn't, sure. you know, he wasn't out in my life either. He was just, you know, here and there, kind of like a buddy. Um, sure. But my stepdads, I had two stepdads. My mom got married. 
um, the first time, he's the one that taught me all the skill traits that I know. Um, he was a great father. My mama tell you, he was a great father, bad husband. Um, but he taught me everything that I knew. Uh, he taught me how to build sheds with wood and gardening, et cetera. I learned all that growing up. And now my, my stepdad that I have now, um, he's, you know, awesome in both aspects. Uh, he's not, you know, uh, a handyman. Uh, he's an officer uh, in, in Atlanta, in DeKalb County. Um, but he's very good, you know, in giving advice. He's a, he's a good father as well. Um, All right. Because right. it sounds to me like you're really trying to, again, give these guys formation, not just giving them a life skill, but almost counseling them in who they are. I, I kind of want to get a little bit of your philosophy, because one of the things that Dr. King mentioned is, is, you know, to not judge a person by their color, but by their character and their content of who they are, really. Right. Uh, in today's world, everyone is a racist, if you disagree with somebody. I yeah. think that you and I would agree politically, maybe not the same politics, but at least approaching it this way, I mean, me being a man of color, but in a different way than you. But what is your, what's your teaching? What are you teaching these young men about their color as it relates to their character and just the content of who they are in a world that is incredibly divided. Right. Well, for the most part, um, I try to, I'm, I call myself old school. So I try to make sure I Im implement all the things from, I say back then, um, because the statistics for family and, and divorce and marriage and uh, wealth, et cetera, were all better for the black community when we were a unit, when everybody worked together, when there was a village, you know, and everybody were, was able to help out with the children. And, and now it's this new age of independency where nobody wants to, uh, you know, help each other with their children. Nobody wants men anymore. Nobody wants to be with a woman anymore. And all of our statistics are completely obliterated. And this new age of whatever we have going on is completely horrible for our children. Um, they can't read. They're committing all sorts of crimes. They're killing each other, et cetera. Um, so my, my thing, you know, for them and telling them about their color is you can go and do what it is that you seek out to do because people will tell you that, oh, well, the white man's holding you down. Oh, we'll use every excuse in the world not to take accountability. And I'm telling them, no, you're going to take accountability. You can be a black man and be successful in America. Um, there are people to prove it. Um, but as long as you allow people to tell you that somebody's holding you down and you can't go do anything because of this person or that person, you will never be able to do anything. As long as you can never take accountability and blame yourself for any of your, your actions, you know, then you will never succeed. You're um, talking so about victim. That's the biggest thing. Exactly. I mean, do, do you think that there is a victimhood happening for black people? Um, I do. And, and of course, I get a lot of flack, you know, from my own community because of some of the things I may say they may disagree with. Like, um, uh, like today, um, I've been arguing with a few people on, you know, Facebook about the guy that was shot in Philadelphia. And I was saying that, well, the guy charged the police with a knife, but none of their scenarios ever include what we could have done differently to prevent the situation from happening. And I'm just like, this, this is my problem. I'm like, but then they'll say, oh, you're saying these things so white people can agree with you. No, I'm saying these things because that is the problem. Why would you go tell your child to go charge somebody <laughs> with a knife? So what uh, do you tell your boys? Because I know that they're getting mixed signals right now. And absolutely. Living in your home, you're creating a little bit, I don't want to call it a bubble or a cocoon, but you're giving them a safe place that they're not getting it. I mean, like some of these boys could probably just be out on the street Especially oh, if they're in a some of their stories. Yeah, I can give you tell some me. of their stories. And so tell me like, what do you tell them. Yeah, so like for uh, it's, we've been pulled over by the police like many times. 
And every time we get pulled over, it's because I was doing something maybe like speeding or, or like when I bought a truck, I had uh, I, I didn't have my tag on the back. So, of course, I knew eventually I was going to get pulled over. But every time I got pulled over, it's for something that I was doing. Um, so and I tell people, if you're really scared of police, you're, you, you wouldn't run red lights. You'd stop. You'd not run stop signs. You'd follow all the rules of the road. You know, you wouldn't commit crime because you don't want to come into contact with the police. So the first we have a full protocol. We get pulled over. Your hands go on your laps. We let all the windows down. And if it's nighttime, we turn the lights on in the car. I have a weapon. As soon as the, the officer even gets to the car, license registration, sir, I have a weapon in the car. Would you like to take the weapon for the remainder of the traffic stop? Um, and then after that, why do you know why I pulled you over? Yes, I know exactly why you pulled me over. I'm not going to lie about it. I was speeding. I was going this fast or whatever. And, you know, call it a day. And so uh, state troopers, they never give warnings. And so we've gotten warnings from state troopers and everything simply because, you know, we just simply abide by the um you know what they were supposed to sure. do when they when we get pulled over and it's simple you know we have i've never had a bad interaction with police you know and people i know will say that every interaction they've ever had with police is bad their whole life i'm just like well that's, look, i'm like that's i've gotten the talk you know if i get pulled over hands on the wheel i mean i've gotten the talk too so so what do you tell these boys i mean mm-hmm. tell me what's the toughest message for them to learn from you from me, I would definitely say is the being yourself talk and anger management. Um, and I wouldn't say it's any of this mainstream stuff that they have going on, because I believe anger management can fix a lot of our issues, especially with us not knowing how to de-escalate situations. Um, like just the other day, I was at Dunkin' Donuts and this guy was like beating up his girlfriend outside because she, she they just got into a disagreement. Anger management is a big portion of the program because you have to learn how to de-escalate that will keep you out of situations. And being yourself. I could tell them all day, you know, you don't have to go buy fancy clothes. You don't have to go, you know, you know, drive fancy cars, try to get girls, et cetera. You know, but in the age of social media and in the age of, you know, seeing people get more likes than you on a picture and all of that. And it's they, they kind of uh, almost like fiend for that type of attention. So I have to try to remove that, you know, and take their phones, et cetera. I'm like, no, there is a life that you have outside of social media. You don't have to go buy nice clothes to just get likes on Instagram. That's not making you any money. You're spending money trying to get people to like you. Yeah. So you know, real quick, so, what's going to happen next for you and the X for Boys program, school? What do you call it? Family? <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, it's the program right now, but we're in the process of opening a boarding school for our boys. Um, we're going to open the life preparatory school um, for boys here in Albany, Georgia. Um, this will be the middle school campus here and our high school campus. We plan on it being in Buena Vista, Georgia, which is about 45 minutes away from where we are. Um, but this school will be our middle school campus. Um, we'll be teaching all the skill trades, STEM, um, as well as all of their academics that they will need to know, plus the curriculum um, of being a man. Um, that's what I call it. Uh, so we definitely want to make sure that we're teaching our children and giving them different outlets, uh, especially with different sports. Um, a lot of black children only feel like they can only go do football and basketball. No, we're going to teach them lacrosse and cricket and, and gaming, all of this stuff to get them into different areas, table tennis, you name it, uh, different sports you have to get into. Love it. Yes, sir. So um, everything that we're going to try to get at this school, even aviation, um, driving boats, uh, forklift driving, welding, carpentry, painting, toiletries, sure. you know, you name it. Uh, I want them to get into every little area and get certified in these areas as well. Um, so that's what I want to happen with our school, because our boys could definitely benefit from the skill trades, as well as being uh, in law enforcement and being judges and being lawyers, et cetera. And we how, need those things. How do people partner with you? I mean, where do they find you and how do they? I mean, obviously, you kind of blew up because of social media. And hopefully my listeners will be able to say, you know what? I believe in what King is doing here. 
let's show him some love and let's, let's, let's make sure that we encourage him, if anything, with prayers, with, with, with positivity. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, you can follow us on social media. Uh, all of my tags are at New Emerging King. Um, and the X for Boys has a Facebook page. You can just type in the X for Boys. And you can also go to our website. Um, if that's too much, our website is thexforboys.org. And you can go there and click on all of our social media tags. Um, it will lead you directly to the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, on thexforboys.org. Plus, you can purchase some of our merchandise if you'd like, as well as send messages to me and or the boys. That's awesome. Now, just before I close, first of all, this has been fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Uh, you don't know me. I don't know you, but I like you very much. And I, I certainly appreciate everything you're doing. But what can I as a Catholic priest, again, you don't know anything about me, but what I, can I as a Catholic priest do for you? The first thing that I always ask people is what can they teach the children? Um, that's my biggest thing. Anytime somebody asks, how can they help? What can they do? What can you teach the boys? Um, so that's my biggest thing. What can you teach the children? That's awesome. Well, I can't thank, thank you enough for taking the time. My special guest is uh, King Randall, the X for boys. You can find him at, at uh, the Emerging King, right? The new Emerging, new emerging King. King. Yeah, New Emerging King. Yes, new sir. Emerging King. And when I come back, I'm going to give you my carryout order. What did I learn from this deep dish discussion? We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back to Shoot the Shtaki with me, Father Leo, for my carryout order after talking to the emerging king, King Randall. The organization, again, is called TheXForBoys.org. And a few things that I learned is, first of all, how impressed I am with his experience and how he turned his situation into something that's very positive for other people. And ultimately what he's doing is he's providing something called formation. You've heard me talk about this many times before, and that's the one thing that we're missing. We can get as much education as we want, but if we don't know how to apply it to our life, then it's just information. But information needs to have formation. Formation is how do we integrate these things in our lives to make us better human beings. And you can see his spirituality, his Christian ethic is what makes him so awesome, so patient, and such a loving dad and a big brother to so many of these young men. And one of the great things that I learned is that is his call for making sure that we take personal responsibility for our actions, which is a lot of things that, I mean, that's just not happening. We're always blaming somebody else, and we cancel each other just because they might have offended me. But we have to ask ourselves, what did I do to offend that person? Because let's admit, we all have to learn how to be peacemakers, and it really begins when we see ourselves as peacemakers and not as professional agitators, nor as peaceful protesters, which are hardly even peaceful at all. How we got into politics is because racism has just become literally a political thing. And it was great to hear a man who didn't care about the color of his skin, and he didn't care what anyone else thought about him. He cared about the character and the content in his life, and he's making a huge difference so many other young boys who are just looking for a figure like him in their life. And so if you want to support them, make sure you go to thexforboys.org and follow King Randall on the, the emer excuse me, new Emerging King on social media. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did and want to support the work that we do, just make sure you visit us at platinggrace.com. Click on Academy, join one of the tiered memberships. A small monthly donation each month supports the work that we do, plus gives you 
total access to a lot of special content and premium perks and just being part of an online community. Because as you hear with King Randall, uh, these boys are looking for community and so are you. So make sure you join us at our Plating Grace Academy. I want to thank my special guest one more time, King Randall. You can find more about it at theexforboys.org. And between now and the next time we shoot the shiitake, stay hungry. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.